We're gonna try this again. Hey, it's factory sealed time. Is Yay! Okay, good. Factory seal. Factory seal. What? <laughs> <laughs> that went over a lot better than last time's fart noise. Uh, I think people sure. miss the fart noise now. It's I don't think it is kind of lacking now that it's not there. But <laughs> whatever the case, welcome to the show. My name is Eric Peterson. With me today is Jess Clarkson. Yes. New microphone and all. Yes. That's right. So we'll be the we'll, we'll let the listeners be the judge of whether or not you made a good purchase. Okay, sounds good. <clears throat> and <laughs> I've been trying to think of the best way to to introduce you because I'm I pretty gotta... sure I'm pretty sure it's I I thought about this I think about thought, we have Aaron Robinson hashtag Don't blame it on Pong. I was just gonna say Aaron Pong Robinson, but I like Aaron don't... Pong. That's that's a good one though. But I like I was gonna the... say like media advisor or like expert on all things video games and media and violence. <laughs> More of a mouthful, but. Oh. Hashtag. I'm going I'm to become famous, and it's going to be because of that that sentence. That's going to live on forever. I'm going to make sure to capture that before... I'm going to make a GIF. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was actually... <laughs> right before we started recording, I was I was farting around in Photoshop with an image from that, typing something dumb in about Pong, and then my computer just powered down. So I kind of took that as a sign of, like, don't do that. Don't do that to Aaron. Don't be a dick. Aaron's too yeah. nice. Aaron's too nice. But I feel like... I feel like you should elaborate on that before we get into anything else. Aaron <clears throat> got a little got a little uh, FaceTime with his local news station, so I feel like you should share with us. Okay, so uh, I'm out and about, and a uh, news guy uh, comes in, and he's like, you know, I'm looking to interview, you know, somebody about video games and the violence in video games and the gun control laws and you know, I'm like, yeah, I can't really talk to you about it, you know, but, uh, you know, here's some people you might be able to talk to. So he leaves, and after he's back, he comes by, and he's desperate because he needs a 10 o'clock story. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll talk to you, I guess. Um, and so we, we step outside, and he sets up his camera, and, you know, he says, okay, I'm just going to ask him a few questions. And I said, okay, let's, let's do it up. And then, you know, he's very leading his questions about, if I think, uh, trying to get me to say that I think that violence in video games is the cause for, like, you know, violence in people and the reactionary, you know, purposes, you know, like, uh, since like the Columbine shooting, you know, as an excuse and things like that. And, uh, so he kept asking me these questions and, uh, about it and trying to get me to say something about negative about it. And I wouldn't, you know, I said, I'm a big fan of video games and, you know, my main goal in talking to him was just letting them know that, you know, violence has been around long before video games came into creation. And, uh, I think that, uh, it's all about good parenting choices. You know, if you're, if it's a violent video game, maybe you shouldn't let your kids play it. You know, there is the ESRB label on there. Yeah, but who follows that? Exactly. But that's not, you know what I mean? But that's yeah. the parent, that's a, that's a parent thing to do to read that. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and at the end of the segment, um, <laughs> Pretty much word for word is what he said at the end of the segment that I told him about the SRP. So, um, you know, he did get that across, but it was really funny because, of course, you know, they didn't use things that were beneficial to actually letting about, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, educating people. 
Yeah. But they just used the most randomest quote that I said, and it left out the rest of my conversation. <laughs> 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 oh. Just left it with me saying, pretty much, you can't blame violence on Pong. Yes. Or something like that, I think, is, like is how yeah, you finished it. Pong or something like that. <laughs> Quite so, possibly the best news interview ever. Yes. But, however, I, thinking about it, I remember playing Pong, and that brought a lot of violent tensions out when you lost. <laughs> I sub- yeah, I could see that. But I don't know yeah. if that's going to inspire somebody to go shoot someplace up. Probably not. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't see how video games, violence in video games will make somebody think, oh, you know what, that's a good idea. I should just go in and just shoot people up because I did it in a video game. Well, I could see how some kids can't differentiate between fact and and fiction. All right. But, but, you know, that comes down to the parents to make sure that, hey, don't give your kids these games, and if you're going to, make sure to talk to them about it. It's right. it's a pretty simple solution. It's, I it's all it's all about parenting, and and then today's the problem is it's all connected. You know what I mean? Like the uh, whole. I'd say if anything, the the violence on TV is worse. It is worse, definitely worse. There's violence in the books, there's violence on TV, there's violence in the news. I mean, we're talking about a country right now that's talking about banning guns and assault rifles. Yet we're making sure that every citizen in another country can have one to defend themselves. Yeah, including children. So it's a fun you know, time. Yeah, but that's uh, that's not topic for this show. Absolutely not. <laughs> so but, I feel like but, we could spend hours on that topic. You, yeah, you. I'm sure we can. Uh, if you go, uh, I think Eric has the actual link. If you actually want to, oh, I'll be sending it out. Don't you worry. Who's my handsome face uh, talking about Pong <laughs> on television? <laughs> you look good while you're talking, so there oh, you go. So this guy I'm came into GameStop, and and you went outside of GameStop. This had nothing to do with GameStop. I was not at GameStop. <laughs> I'm on the record. This had nothing to do. With... Oh. Okay, so you <laughs> I were did just this for Manatank.com. You were just uh, out and about to do a retro gaming podcast. Okay, you were just out and about at your local grocer, pick right. it, picking up some lemons. Yeah, they, he knew I was a gamer, though, because I was shopping in the video game aisle of the of the video game store oh. portion of uh, the grocery store. Oh, okay. When you were just out and about. I was not anywhere near GameStop. Okay, officially. In, that in is quote. the official record. You heard it here. <laughs> so, we've all been on vacation. I think we should explain why it's been over a month since our last show. Um I decided to take a month-long vacation from... Must be nice. It was. It was very nice, actually. Uh, Gone from December 19th through this past Monday. So, almost a month. That's that's exciting, man. It was. Your car made it until you got home, so that's amazing. Well, we didn't drive. Oh, you didn't (laughs) No, we flew... And then I got home to discover that my car, which had not been driven in a month, was just in absolute shambles. So huh. now it's sitting at the repair shop with a thousand dollar repair bill waiting for me. Yay so for repair bills. Welcome home, right? Welcome home. But uh, no, nice present. Flew up to Wisconsin, then went down to Indiana, then to Kentucky, then back to Wisconsin. I drove through Rochester, neglecting entirely to stop in to see Aaron. And we were going to do a live show together again. And yeah. Just like, nah, I'd rather go see the wood chipper. Yeah. And then I went up Gotta to Fargo, go. and I saw the I saw the real wood chipper 
from After the movie. After he faked us out yeah. with a fake one. Well, shut up. Don't, don't <laughs> judge me. It was a very... He was right, but he was in front of the real one. He just didn't know yeah. it wasn't the real one until he turned around and read the sign that said, this is not the real one it's inside I, the building over here. I even, took, <laughs> I even took a picture of the sign before I stood behind it because I was going to send it to my sister with the sign and then the picture. And then I didn't even realize that it was the wrong one until like a day and a half later when I was looking through my pictures and, and actually read it. So I'd sent that picture to a bunch of people and just like, awesome. Oh, wow. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. So, spent some time up in Fargo, and then I flew to lovely Canada land. Yes. Wow. You flew to Canada? I flew to Canada. Not to see Edmonton, Jess. didn't you? Yeah, I was on the other side of, of the barren wilderness. Mm. Yep. So, I went up there to visit the guys from the Manitank podcast, um, which, I don't know, I'm assuming a vast majority of our listeners know about that, but if not, it's another show that I'm the, on. The Matt Eats. not as cool. Yeah. I did not know about that. Uh, I would have loved to have joined on that somehow. In the oh, the New Year's live stream. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. We got we got pretty pretty lit up on that. But if you want to watch that stream, <laughs> it's on manatank.com. You go into videos, video archives. Boom, there it is. So and no. I never realized how short swag was. Jesus. Oh yeah, it was crazy because when I got to the airport. I figured I had no cell phone service. I had no way for them to actually find me. So I walk out and I put on my Mega Man hat, which apparently everybody in Canada calls uh, Tooks? Tooks. Tooks. And I just kept mispronouncing it Took just to piss everybody off. But uh, I put on my Mega Man hat, and as soon as I put that on, there's a car that stops about two lanes down, and it was Matt and Kev. And Kev gets out, gives me a big burly hug, and... And uh, for all I know, it really couldn't have been him. It could have just been a couple dudes with huge beards taking me away in their car. <laughs> but um, we got back to Kev's place, and, and Oliver showed up. And the very first thing he said to me, he's like, God damn, you're tall. How tall are you? <laughs> uh, about six one, But I think he's about four one. I don't know. He's super small. <laughs> but Wait, uh, what do you guys call toques then? Just hats. It's called stocking cap. Stocking cap, hat, stocking winter cap. hat head covering all right so bizarre yeah yeah but <laughs> not as exciting the airport trip as when we picked up the mad eats um no you didn't you didn't have to call like no using a quarter and realize it's not enough to call america no unfortunately <laughs> it was a little less exciting than that but i just got to tell you just canada i don't know how anybody can live up there because it is so damn expensive yeah, everything. You get used to it though, because when I go to the states, I'm like, it's so damn cheap. Oh no! Like I was there for from Thursday through Monday, and I didn't buy any souvenirs or any trinkets for myself. It was mainly just spent on food, and you know, just like fast food. Or we went out to a restaurant a couple nights, and then we bought some stuff for the live show. And I easily spent 150 dollars in those four days on food, and I didn't. Yeah. That was eating like maybe two meals a day if I was lucky. Kev made me breakfast one morning, and that was that. I think that was the only breakfast I had. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty bad. Not bad, but it's expensive up here. But when we go down to the states, like I remember one time I went to Wendy's and I got chili and a baked potato, and it came to it was something ridiculous. I think it was two dollars or oh, yeah. something. Yeah, because and I was like, we did you have... get the chili? <laughs> like, 
Are you sure I'm not ripping you off? Like, can you just charge me more to make me feel better? Well, Jeez. we went to Wendy's too, and they don't have a value meal. Everything is like the $1.89 menu. It's like, at that point, why don't I just get a combo? Oh, that's right. The combos are $14. The $1.89 is their value menu. That's a terrible value menu. What would have cost $4 here in America was 9 and a half. Yeah. It's And then what really got me was the price of alcohol. Like a yeah. six pack of really good beer in the states, if you're paying more than nine bucks, you're getting ripped off. Up there, you could expect to pay twenty bucks. Jeez. Well, for our like, I went down to the states and I got a sixty, or is that a handle? You guys call them handles? We call them seven five liters or one seven five. Yeah, so one seven five. Okay. Would be a sixty up here, and okay. I bought a 60 down there for 20 bucks yeah up here it's like 60 dollars yeah i was appalled More. by that wow. i i bought a bottle of jameson for us for the live show because apparently our texas mickey of bacardi rum wasn't big enough <laughs> <laughs> if aaron if you don't know what a texas mickey is it's a three foot bottle of rum yeah it's I, almost I taller than is. swag yeah it's it's enormous and we almost polished that entire thing off so, did you guys well, start that just for the show, or was that? Uh, Kevin and I, we were planning on it, but we started it the night I got there, and we pounded through a quarter of it between the two of us the first night I was there, and uh, we got it down to about a fifth of it left by the time I left. Yeah, because it looked pretty empty on the show. It was getting there, but I I need to tell you, I on the way to the airport, Kevin and I stopped at Costco, and I had my very first poutine. <gasps> poutine. Yeah. It was good. It was actually very, very good. It was... Old, yeah. We talked... I talked to a lot of people, did some surveying, did a little bit of canvassing. I wanted to find out where the best Canadian poutine was. And everybody says Costco. So we stopped at Costco, and it wasn't cheap. It was like $5 for a little thing of poutine. But you get a free drink, don't you? No. No. Um... The fries are amazing, deep fried fries, and then they put cheese curds on there, which I didn't think anybody outside of Minnesota and Wisconsin knew what cheese curds were. Oh, Canadians know cheese curds. Okay, and then they put gravy on it, and it was it was actually really good. So, all of my all previous jokes. yeah, all my previous statements about poutine, I think I think I'll rescind, which I've been known to do. Now, <laughs> speaking of the alcohol, mm-hmm. you were in Kentucky again. I was. Did you pick up some more moonshine so we can redo a moonshine (laughs) cast? I did not, but the store that I go to to get liquor here has the same type of moonshine. Okay. As long as we have some sort of moonshine. We are fully applied for this year's E3, and I'm assuming you're going to go. I think we've got a house that we can stay at this time. That would be sweet because I am literally on the budget of the flight. Yeah, and that's about it. So I'm gonna have to mooch off everybody else for food and and uh, rides and and place to stay. <laughs> well, guarantee it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. So the other thing, Jess, this kind of relates a little bit more to the show. Swag took me around to some of the retro stores up there, and. Yes. You know me, I'm pretty spoiled with the retro stores I have down here being really, really reasonably priced. And I went to one up there, and I, at first I, I felt kind of bad for walking in and starting to laugh when I looked at the prices. 
<laughs> but in hindsight, I came home and like I looked up some of the the prices of what they really should be, and this guy was easily four times the price of any game. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. I walked in and and the very first thing I saw was a copy of Theme Hospital, which it's not a really popular game, but it's it's good. It's it's rare to find a decent black label copy of it. He wanted like ninety five dollars for it. Jesus. Yeah, a black label copy of it. And then his Final Fantasies 7, 8, and 9 black label copies, he wanted damn near $200 for. Good lord. So, yeah. And they were not they were not sealed. They were, in, they were in mint condition. So when I got back here, I went down to Bookman's and looked at their black label copies. Fully complete in box, no cracks, no scratches. 20 bucks. I have no idea how people can spend that much money on retro games. I think this guy looked on eBay and just saw the highest asking price. He's like, that's what I'm going to charge. Well, I suppose there's only one place to go. What? (laughs) We both talked at once. Both talked at once. That was some great dead air. (laughs) <laughs> I always thought you guys were going to start because mine was just literally, well, if it's only one place to get it, I, could, I suppose and charge it. But and I was trying to rationalize that to myself. I mean, here this guy is—he's the only retro shop in in Northern Edmonton that that Oliver knew of or that he took me to, and he's got all these fantastic games. I mean, if you if you could name a rare game, he probably had it in stock. But I think there's a reason he had it in stock is because he got it once and priced it so astronomically high that it never sold. And then he's trying to take that mindset of, well, somebody will pay for it if they really want it. When it's like the purpose of these games is to be played. So price them so people can afford them. Yeah, make yourself a little bit of money off of it. But just that price is so insane. Well, he must be making enough money to stay open. And he was in Edmonton, too. Yeah. So that's a big place. Like it's not like he's in the middle of nowhere and can well, charge extreme amounts of it money was, for it. It was in like this really backwater area off of some northern campus, and we went to another one that was in one of the malls, and it was just as expensive. I mean, Super Mario RPG they wanted over a hundred dollars for that. That's like five hundred dollars American. That's exactly the same. <laughs> currency right now i think it's two cents difference the one that really struck me like the only one that i could see as being even remotely reasonably priced was he had a copy of Mega Man x3 for the super nintendo complete inbox it wasn't sealed but he had a he had a, a sticker of 400 dollars on it I'm like jesus Ouch. but if you know Mega Man x3 the cartridge alone is is hard enough to find the cartridge alone i would be willing to pay 154 hands down easily but any super nintendo game especially a rare one complete in box yeah to the right person that would be worth enough i don't need it in the box but four hundred dollars it's expensive but it's reasonable and then after i saw that i looked up on his wall behind his counter and saw that he had a Mega Man 6 poster up there a japanese one and i was commenting on it and like that's a sweet ass Mega Man poster and he goes we don't have any Mega Man posters up there like yeah, you do right there. He's like, that's not Mega Man. Like, are you really going to be that big of a dick and argue about the difference between Mega Man and Rock Man? Well, they're not the same character. Well, whatever, dude. Shut up. That's hilarious. Don't get, have... don't get me started on my Mega Man. One friend um, went to a game store 
on the weekend, I think, and posted this on Facebook that there he didn't say what, but it was a Nintendo 64 game. Mm-hmm. But it was just the box they were selling for $15. Just the box. Jesus. Just the box. Oh, my God. Oh, was God. it at least a good game? I don't know. He didn't say. Because I could see selling like the, a mint condition box of Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask or Super Mario 64 for 15 bucks. But if it was just something like Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey. That would be awful. I got to tell you, we went to the West Edmonton Mall. Which, which I'm super jealous about. It's nothing to write home about. It is not bigger or cooler than the Mall of America. And I'm not saying that because America is the coolest. I'm saying it because it's not bigger. We walked the entire thing in like an hour. Whereas the Mall of America, Aaron, back me up on this. The Mall of America to go around every floor all the way around would require a few hours. The Mall of America is run by Canadians. I don't care. It's awesome. Yeah, you could say that probably. I think what makes it bigger, though, is that they have they have a, a relatively decent-sized amusement park. They have a huge water park in there. I mean, that wave pool was enormous. And then they have a giant... Well, I haven't been there since they added the wave pool. No, this is in Edmonton. Oh, in Edmonton, I'm sorry. Yeah, they added a huge... They have a huge water park with a bunch of slides and a wave pool that's enormous. And then they have a huge pirate ship in the middle of the, of the, the mall. But the coolest thing I saw, and I'm so glad I saw this, was... Just a random Canadian pickup hockey game started in the middle of the mall because they have a That's giant. Hilarious! Yeah, we were getting some Tim Hortons, and uh, <laughs> which I'm very impressed with. Tim Hortons is some good stuff, and uh, we were standing there looking over the balcony, and just out of nowhere come all these hockey people, just pick up hockey game. Hey, you got a white jersey? All right, you got a red jersey? All right, let's play hockey. And they started playing hockey. Hmm. I was kind of disappointed that it didn't just randomly happen in the middle of the street while I was up there, but. You know, you win some, you lose um, some. I Wikipedia'd this stuff, and apparently the West Edmonton Mall is bigger than the Mall of America. But what defines bigger, though? Like, just sheer floor space? Because if so, yes. if so, then they're counting the hotels which are attached to it, which I don't think really counts, because the Mall of America doesn't have hotels attached to it. It's just pure mall space. So the West Edmonton Mall has... 3,800,000 square feet with 850 plus stores okay. and services. Okay. And the Mall of America. I need to wait for this page to load again. Oh. Has 2,500,000 square feet. Oh, just kidding. What? Plus another 5 million? I don't know why that's there. Yeah. Probably for oh, Camp Snoopy. Man. Or whatever the hell it's yeah. called. But How? only 520 plus stores. Only so. 520 stores? Yeah. I wonder if they're counting restaurants. Because they had a they had a, a, a offshoot up there called Bourbon Street, which had a ton of restaurants and like 600 food courts. So, I don't know. Just oh. my personal... I may be wrong, but just my personal feeling on it is it didn't feel bigger than the Mall of America. That's pretty cool, though, that you have been to both to compare. Yeah. Jealous. Super. Now, now is how many floors is Edmonton? Just two. Yeah. See, that's probably the difference, too. Yeah, Mall of America is three and a half, kind of four. I would be overwhelmed, though. It's really cool, because in the Mall of America, and I didn't believe my friend when they told me this, but in the Mall of America, if you stand still enough, you can actually feel the mall moving, because it's built in sections, and it's so big. 
like the floor moving, like the or floor like, moving from just like yeah, it's just, just literally the walking. pressure of people walking and the wind and yep. the, that's earth, earth trimming. Yeah, probably the volcano underneath it too doesn't help. Probably, yeah. But overall, it was huh. a it was a good trip. I'm I'm glad to be home minus the car repairs. Right. But yeah. what's fantastic is on these vacations, I have tons of time to play games and. Usually, what I play on on vacations is retro games. So, we well, should probably have a lot to talk about. I don't have a ton to talk about, but I think for this show, we decided to talk about uh, Parasite Eve. Correct? That yes. is correct. Whew. And I think for once, we finally all played it. I don't know if we played it through to completion, but we played it. Yeah, I didn't. I did not either. Who made it the farthest? I'm I a- got to the point before you went into like the final building. Okay, so you probably absolutely made it the furthest because I only made it to the end of day three. I think I was on day six, day seven. I think there's only six many- days, aren't there? Huh. Anyway, Jess, give us a rundown of Parasite Eve. What's it all about? So this kind of confused me. Okay. Because from my understanding, um, there's a female character, which was pretty cool, and she was not scantily clad, which was also pretty cool. Kind of disappointing, um, I, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the, it's funny, Nerd. just going back to like the graphics um, that the game had. was phenomenal. I I the graphics in that game were pretty phenomenal they were. for what that, that game was. They were. That opening cutscene. The cutscenes cut and the, even the gameplay itself isn't terrible no it oh, held sure. it has held up amazingly well over the years because that game came but, out what 99 uh yeah okay i'm gonna double check myself here because i've got it in my hand 98 98, 98. that was close yeah. um okay but like yeah awesome graphics for the time and still looking back there it was still really well done but i couldn't see someone being like Oh my gosh! Look at her boobs in yeah. a not very well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the game is six uh, days. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, Parasite Eve, you play as is it, her name is Ava. Aya. I think it's Aya. Aya. Okay. Aya. Aya Bray. Kind of a mouthful. Um, she is a NYPD detective, and mm-hmm. she is working on a case where there is some sort of crazy phenomenon happening around town where people just randomly en masse burst into flames. Burst into flames, yeah. And it... It was drawn to the case. And the... Yeah, the... It starts off as... You have no idea. You just... You're... You're on a date. (laughs) Yeah, she seems like... You get set up on a blind date and you're going to, like, the opera and uh, you get in there and everybody just starts to burn up it <laughs> just and, spontaneously uh, combusts the lady uh starts to get superpowers that's on stage and uh basically she is the only one unaffected uh the Aya, and uh you basically have to go out and find her but she's a her smart down. lady she goes to the opera packing like has a gun right. hidden in her well i think that's how all dress. cops roll isn't it if yeah. you're a cop you've constantly got a gun strapped to your upper thigh mm-hmm. especially if you're female yeah, right. well, I would dress, you know, you know some place to put it. True. Um, 
but yeah, the, the spontaneous combustion. Okay, so it all revolves around, and, and I'm I'm not afraid to admit that this game helped me in some of my science classes simply because some of the things that it talked about back when games actually I shouldn't say back when, but you know this game actually has some educational merit to it, talking about. Uh, the, the cells and how they react and, and what's going on at a molecular level here with the mitochondria and how that is. Apparently there's this, this hidden ancient race of, of beings or intelligence or some the mitochondria themselves were right. a species. Okay. And that's kind of where I had a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. So what's happening is they're reawakening and they are going to, from what I understood, cleanse the earth. And Aya is not affected by what the mitochondria is able to do. And it's something, if I remember right, it had something to do with just her genetics as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember yeah. the, I didn't get that far in the second playthrough if they get to that where they, they tell you what happens. Well, without, yeah, without giving up too much of the storyline... Um, it's, it's definitely, it plays more like when I was playing this, I kept thinking of heavy rain, kind of the storytelling in heavy rain and, um, Indigo prophecy, Mm -hmm. which is also made by the people who made heavy rain, but it's like a cross between those games and a final fantasy mixed with a kind of a real time action combat system which to be honest that's the one thing that i thought wasn't going to hold up very well because going back to a lot of old rpgs the combat system is usually the the first thing that feels really dated because now we have rpgs that have so many cool things that we can do with them but and this playthrough i wasn't as uh concerned about like i thought i was going to be because i remember being a pain in the butt before and this time it really it really kind of wasn't you know if you knew what you were doing okay so the way the combat system works is it's all random battles. Actually, I don't want to say that they're random because they are very scripted in where the battles are. If, yep. if you die, you can know exactly where you're going to fall into a battle again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But they're, quote, random. And when you launch into the battle, um, you can still move around. And you have to maintain a certain distance to the enemies depending on your gun. And right. this, this, this sphere circle pops up that will show you how far your gun will reach. And then depending on the ammo capacity of your gun, you can fire up to, I don't know, some guns. I think you can get like 10 bullets to shoot and you can, you can switch between characters. You like put three bullets into the bird, one bullet into the snake and four bullets into the rat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. But then she's got, and I, I never really used it too much. And maybe that's why I struggled with, with the game on this playthrough is the Parasite Eve powers. As you level up, she gains more powers, like the ability to to heal herself, um, to cast sleep on something, or to scan um, energy shots and stuff like that. The scan wasn't very good. No, it's like all the Final Fantasy games where you're just like, what's this character's weakness? Oh, hit it with a lot of stuff. Right. Good. So the, the combat system held up very, very well for me. There's some battles... The, the boss battles in general are really difficult because I feel like you don't get enough medicine in this game to really last you through the boss battles. I remember every boss battle that I was in, I used up all of my medicine. 
Yeah, and I made the mistake mm -hmm. of you can get a vest that will automatically dose you with medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And I wore that and all of a sudden my health came back. I was like, no, I was strategizing and you couldn't because it'll automatically do that for you. So Does that only do it once per battle or does it do it every time you get low? Because I had it every time. I had it restore my health once. Maybe it's because I was out of medicine, but I had it restore my health once, and then I got low again and just died because I was like, "Oh, hey, that's right. I don't have to waste my waste my uh, turn on on medicine." Yeah, it. You could have been out of medicine because I know I ran out of medicine quickly when I had the vest on because I wasn't realizing how much it was giving me. Uh huh. But and it would you would it use your most powerful potion or your weakest potion? Most powerful. Oof. Uh -huh. Wow. So, the did you guys play around a lot with upgrading your weapons and your armor? Yeah, I did. I did the very first playthrough. I did that uh, uh, quite a bit, but this time I didn't get that far to do that. I felt like it's a really good system, but you don't get to use it enough simply because you need you need tools that you just randomly find or people will give you, but then you have to go back to the police station and that person that that well, does it at one point in the game without spoiling anything becomes completely unavailable. Right. And, and there is you have to still have a special permission form or something too, don't you? Yeah, and yeah, where the hell do you get those? LAPD. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I remember too about this game that I liked a lot was it was very much like the old style... Um, point-and-click adventure games. Yeah. Um, where you had to go and, you know, they'd, you'd go into a room and they would not necessarily show what could be moved or what you should look at. You literally had to go to every spot and hit the button, an action button, to determine whether you can act, you can interact with it. I still do that with modern yeah. RPGs. Is so, I'll walk around pressing X on, like, cupboards and beds and stuff, expecting things to pop up and never works anymore. Right, it never works anymore. But that was one of the games you need to, and there's a lot of hidden things that yeah. unless you unless you go around and do those, you're gonna miss. There's a lot of uh, uh, in this playthrough, I, I noticed a lot of areas that I don't remember going to before um, that have no purpose. There's nothing, in, you know. That if you go in there, there's just nothing. For the first time I went in, I, I didn't do anything. But then this this time I went through and actually and checked everything. And there's a lot of hidden things, a lot of more vests, a lot more ammos. Yeah. A lot more of the guns and things that you can find that might help you later on. They don't need a lot of good right away, but um, I felt having like, those options to go through there is worth it. I felt like the ammo was a bit too generous. I never had anything less than like 150 bullets on me at any given time. Yeah, I never had an issue with ammo at all. And I, at the first part, when you go out, there's a guy standing there, and he's, I think he's a cop. Yep. And he gives you ammo, but you can completely get a crap ton of ammo from him if you keep asking him oh really oh god i, I... didn't i didn't know you could it, keep asking it's also one of those games you, it's one, like you said it's when you can leave the room and then when you go back the bad guys are back yeah <laughs> and yeah. depending on depending on which order you're or which room you come out of yeah you can just go to side rooms and be okay but if you actually leave that central area of like the hallway or whatever and you go outside and you go back in the bad guys will reappear. Well, the one thing that was kind of frustrating is that the game was, at parts, very, very vague on where you needed to go. Um, I think it was at the beginning of day, th beginning of day three, when you are in the police station and it's all in shambles, and um, you go downstairs and and find that uh, Ben was that the name of the little boy? Ben, ben yeah, that's yeah. Uh, your partner's son. Yeah, when Ben was downstairs in the 
the canine unit room and he had taken off after Shiva, I have no idea how many times I tried getting through that part. At some point, I just got frustrated and turned it off. But it was really vague where you needed to go because there was like a blood stain on the ground that's like, oh, okay, obviously, let's look for some more orange blood stains. Didn't find any because the, the like Aya goes down. She's like, is this Shiva? Like, obviously, it's telling you to look for that, but you, you don't need to. And then I just walked around every single room for half an hour fighting the same enemies over and over and over until I did something dumb and died. Then I had to restart and do it all over until there was one room that I had not discovered that I had to go in and then come out to activate a cutscene. And that's the thing too, is that he was in a spot where you hadn't been able to get to previously. Yeah. So in your mind, you're just like, okay, I can't go there. I'm not going to go there now. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, like you said, you talk about other old games was that they didn't tell you what you needed to do. You had to find it on your own. Yep. Which makes the game a little more fun. And also, this is one of the first games that I can remember where they gave you the benefits of multiple playthroughs. Yes. So if you got that, you could go through it again, um, and you unlock a, a, a. I think it's a card game that got unlocked in this one, if I remember right. Huh. Um, and then uh, if you go back, if you after you beat the second time, you can actually go in and fight. Um, the final boss who's like Aya's uh, sister or something like that. Looks like Aya's sister. Wow. If I remember if I remember oh, properly. Yeah. Um, I forget her name. I don't remember. I, I just know that if I remember it was sister because I just remember re- seeing that on the screen at some point. You did it in Japan because it was based off of a movie or a book? I think it was based off of a book, Parasite Eve. Really? And it yeah. talked about the whole mitochondria Eve right. who... Yeah, because that was the... I'm trying to remember. I believe that there was a doctor, and I believe this whole thing started because his wife was dying, and he wanted to bring her back, so he injected her with these cells, and the mitochondria overtook her body, basically. And then I remember the ultimate being was like what she was trying to Because there was a kid involved. And I remember something about having to collect sperm, and I remember being about (laughs) 19 years old. And finding it very funny that I had to go and find sperm. <laughs> yes. It's true. Let's see important things that stick with you through the ages. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Um, back to the combat. Did you? Did either of you find yourself switching between guns at all? Or did you just find one gun and stick with it the whole game? I switched guns uh, sometimes depending on where I was. Really? Because um, if I... Uh, like I said, in the first, this playthrough here, I only had the one gun. I didn't do that more. But years before when I played, I remember going back, and I remember going to certain areas, and I remember switching. Because one gun, I believe, that I had let me shoot three bullets at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, in you know, at the same creature. Not like just bullets in turn, but I could actually shoot three you know, in one shot. Yeah. And I remember using that on some of the bigger ones, but then I wouldn't necessarily waste it. On just like in the other bosses, because I think there was one of the bosses um, you can only use a certain gun for it to actually do any damage. Oh, really? And I believe that was near the end of the game. That well, was like that's gonna suck for me because I have I, as soon as I got the M16, that's that's all I used. Every one of the offense upgrades that I got, I plugged into that gun. Every special weapon that I got, I tore down and took the attributes and put it onto that gun. So. Uh, and maybe it work if you did that. I, I remember because I, like I said, the first time I didn't do it every room. I just kind of sped 
through it, I guess you could say, you know? Yeah. Um, so I didn't get the chance to do all those different things. Like, at this time when I'm playing, I'm finding all these slots that I just don't remember going to before and finding these secret hatches and things. Um, but I also remember that, like you said, I was using a lot of the uh, the special powers as well my first time. Through. For Parasite Eve powers? Yeah. See, I didn't... Then, I started using those towards the end. I didn't really start using them until I started to fight Shiva. And the energy shot was really good, but then it just... If you don't have a big stock of medicine to kind of get you through the next couple turns till your Parasite Eve powers restore to use health again, you're screwed. Yeah, I found I was using medicine more at the beginning, and then I started using um, the healing powers, and that helped me a lot. But you see, there's a trade-off there, because without using Energy Shot on some of the bosses, your bullets will do one, maybe two, whereas the Energy Shot will do 85. Yeah. So it's kind of a toss-up. You know, do you, do you stack your inventory full of medicine and get rid of all your extra components? And I, I found it was difficult, too, to kind of have a balance because you didn't... The only place that you could unload your stuff and get it back was the, um, the pol- NYPD building. Yeah, the police station. Right. I, I didn't discover that till day three, so I was holding on to everything. So you had to kind of keep enough, but then I don't know. It was hard. Yeah, to you had to leave room for when you picked up those inventory. All right. And then when you find a chest that has something good in it that you can't pick up, it's like, okay, what can I afford to get rid of? And yeah. usually there, it's like, all right, I'm going to get rid of the lowest medicines. And and uh, the the one thing I did switch a lot though was the armor because you come across a lot of different types of armor, and I think the one that I stuck with the most was the one that automatically healed you, just because there were some instances where I just wasn't paying attention. And I always had a couple revives in my inventory, and I hated when I used those, because I wanted to save those for a boss. Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing, it automatically revives you, which I didn't like. I wish there was an option. But what's the other option? Lose all your progress and go back to the title screen? That's true. I, I think that's the key why they put that. I like that feature that it, it did auto-revive you. Because, I wish they uh, did that in like Final Fantasy games with the Phoenix Downs. Right. Yeah. Cause but then you could the, just go... But then like I said, you, like you said, you, you want to save it for later. Like in Final Fantasy, it's okay if my guy dies, whatever. I'll just wait and then I'll bring him back after true. the fight using a spell or something. Whereas in Parasite Eve, I think it was imperative that since you only had the one person, you didn't want to die you know what i mean that's the whole point of the thing as a character you don't want to die yeah and i play a lot of games and i play a lot of uh i play a lot of tabletop games uh, D and pathfinder where some of the people i play with just they're okay with dying you know what i mean it's like oh, i'll just die and come back to life you know somebody will revive me or whatever it's like you can't think like that you know what yeah. i mean like you can't you want to stay alive you don't want to die so if it automatically heals me or automatically revives me then that's I think that's good as far as like you know realistic, you know expectations go. Yeah. But to just like oh I'll just wait till you know let this guy die and come back later like in Final Fantasy you can, especially in those later games you're able to have swap out characters in the middle of fights and stuff. Well, Final Fantasy 13 did something where if the main character dies regardless of the other two people are still alive, yeah, yeah. then then, it, then you're done. It ended. Yeah, and that but, made sense though. So yeah, I like that because this game is pretty sparse on the save points. There were sometimes I remember I was. I was flying up to Canada and I was playing it and I hadn't gotten to a save point for quite some time and I rolled across 
Shiva and just got my ass kicked and lost about 45 minutes worth of save. So right. that's you can only that's save right. at the phones. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and those phones, like I said, are not easy to spot. No, they, you just spot them by a you little blinking red them. light. Yeah. yeah, you have to look for that little – I think it flashes red or something like that. If you're lucky. You have to look for that, and otherwise it's just blended into the rest of the scenery. Yeah, I really like that. They did a great job with those pre-rendered backgrounds and, and the environments. Mm-hmm. I did really like the cutscenes. Yeah, those were super cool. Like the you know, this is a, Now, this is the one game that I don't understand why they haven't tried to update. Oh, yeah, this one come back. great. They put out that, that third birthday on the PSP, which I have talked to some people, so they really like the game. But then, to me, I looked at it and I said, "This is Final Fantasy X 2 I mean, the whole—I peeked through the strategy guide once. It's like you change clothes about this whole thing to get different powers and upgrades. And it's like, what am I? I'm not going to play dress up. The third birthday. The third birthday was a PSP game that came out that was uh, a spinoff of the Parasite Eve games using the main character Aya. Did you ever play Parasite Eve two? I did. I own that. I believe I own that one as well. But that one, there was a lot different i don't if i remember right i did not like that one as much as the first one and i thought that because they changed something in it that i thought was going to make it easier but i think it made it more difficult huh uh, i'm trying to remember what it was about because i thought that i thought it was a lot harder than the first one hmm. um, the one thing that i found really ch- i'm difficult pretty sure they changed though? up the combat and that threw me off um, what was that i didn't like the in the combat, I found it was really difficult to kind of dodge enemies' attacks. Like, found she was kind of slow and clumsy yeah. when it came to that. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. Because once you get in your little bubble, you can't move until you're... Because it takes... The battles actually take place in the physical environments that you're exploring. Mm-hmm. But you can't manipulate... You're kind of constrained in there, and a lot of the enemies just have all-encompassing attacks. Like those yeah. those lizards that shoot out the fire from their tail. There's really no way to avoid that. But and the the first form of Eva that of Eve that you fight, I found I kept trying to dodge her main laser attack, and I realized that oh, if you just stand directly in front of her when she shoots it, you'll be okay. So a lot of it is just finding those little gaps in where the enemies right. can attack. And yeah, and and going back, thinking about it, it's a lot like Resident Evil Five, where you can't move and shoot. Yeah. So yeah. you know you have to you have to know where you're going to be. So once you go to attack mode and you hit that button and that grid comes up, you you are stuck until your actions are done. Yep. And the bad guys though are still on their turn based thing, so they can actually still shoot you while you're in your bubble, right? Like once you pick your movements, because you have it, it stops time as you so you can pick your actions and pick your people. But then yeah, until once you you're done, it. you you're stuck there, and they can just. You know, get you. So if you're stuck there, you're going to be in their line of fire. Or sometimes, yeah, if you're not in your bubble, your sphere, then you can move around to get out of the way of their attacks. But that screwed me over with the worms. I kept finding myself being in the wrong place when I was going to attack them, yep. so I'd be frozen and get those stupid worms. Those were in the zoo, right? Yes. Yeah, those ones were kind of frustrating because you had to time your attack for it. Yeah, but luckily there was a phone right behind where they were. Oh, was there? Yes. I probably missed it. It was like the screen before, so it was okay for me to screw up a million times. Jeez. I don't know. I I like it. It's not 
as good as I remember. I think with all retro games, though, we, I I hold them into a little higher esteem. But then again, there are parts of it that that I think were definitely better than I remember, like the combat system. My one major complaint with this game is how slow you move, even when you are oh running. Oh my god! You're you. It's one oh. of those games where you can't turn on automatic run. You have to hold circle, and even then, it still feels like you're walking. Because her walk is the slowest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's painful. So painful. It is pretty bad. I was trying to run in that game, too, and it's like, I think I'm running, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah, like, I was playing around with it, and I was just, oh, my God. I couldn't handle how slow she walked. Yeah, I was frustrated with that. But, you know, that aside, I guess you don't do it. You don't need to run very fast because you're not traversing great distances. They were pretty good with the pacing in the game between how much combat and how much just meandering, and then it would pop in some story and and uh, you know like some other RPGs where you can go hours between story elements. This wasn't that long. Yeah, I'd say to beat this game from start to finish would be ten hours. And I liked how nicely it chunked into the days. Yeah, it made it so that. Like, if you sat down, you could play through a day and then yep. be able to turn it off if you had something right. else to do. Yeah. Um, speaking of Parasite Eve 2, I think that's what they did. They took away the sphere in, in, in Parasite Eve 2. So you just had to guess if you were in range? Yeah. I think you could had to guess whether you're in range, and it was all in real time, I believe. Oof. Um, and uh, there was something about... Because there's a bar, and I don't think there's a bar that judges the actions anymore weird i don't i don't remember all i'm gonna gonna dig it out now maybe that's the next game i'll play it's parasite eve 2 after i beat this one again i don't have i don't think i have parasite eve 2 no i don't i've got the parasite eve 1 that came with the 1998 collector's edition cd that had a a playable demo of xenogears and final fantasy 8 that's the one i got too impressive that is the game this is the game that uh I think I bought this solely because it had the demo of Final Fantasy VIII on it. No, I think you're right. That's the same reason I bought it, too. Also, it's a Squaresoft game, and I thought it was going to be really cool. Um, but it had the Final Fantasy VIII demo on there. And this one had a movie for Brave Fencer Musashi and Bushido Blade yeah. 2. And it's also why I picked up Brave Fencer Musashi, I believe, because I, I played Parasite Eve, and then I saw that, and I was like, i got to get this game. Oh, wait, it didn't have a playable demo of eight. It just had a movie for it, and I wanted to see that. That's back before the days of YouTube. What one had and that's something eight. that's cool too is that all the demos and extras that you would get on the older games. Yeah, and it's not by the collector's right. edition to get this. Yeah, it was it's just like... included. And you know, I really think about this: the, the from '95 to 2000, SquareSoft was the bomb. Oh, SquareSoft was awesome. They rarely then, made a bad game. And then they went into Square Enix and just totally went to hell. Now, did <laughs> did Enix buy Squaresoft or Squaresoft buy Enix? I believe Squaresoft bought Enix. Okay, because I that's believe. the I need to look up need to look that up because that's the the other thing that guy in Canada was getting getting on my nerves about was he was ragging on Squaresoft pretty hard. And it could have been the other way around, but I thought it was the other way. I thought it was like a mutual thing to save both companies, to be honest with you. Yeah. But uh you know, they just, and also whoever they picked up for the Final Fantasy games after once seven came out was the worst character designer in the world to me. Because every game that came out from SquareSoft 
had the exact same looking androgynous character. Yes. Yeah. You know, and seven it was cool because it was neat. It was like show that, and then eight was pretty much just a black-haired cloud, and then and then nine came back, which was a really good one, which I enjoyed. But I just thought, like, I just I don't know whatever reason I just couldn't get into nine. The storyline must have been boring or something. I kept playing it just to get to the cutscenes. Zidane. And then and then ten came out, which was like, oh my god, it's another guy that looks just like this. And then <laughs> and then and then thirteen comes out, and they put in the kid that looks exactly like a little guy. It's like, and then the bouncer bouncer came out, same thing with the same drowns looking guys. It was like, what in the heck? Do you, the bouncer was a launch title for the PS2, correct? It was, and I had I had huge expectations for that game, and it. it I remember short. working when I was my my last couple weeks at GameStop. We had a factory sealed copy of the bouncer that had been in the store since launch, and they still had a price tag of thirty nine ninety nine on it. Oh yes, I, I had one of those in my store as well. Thirty nine ninety nine for new. We sold it used, by the way, at the time, and I had my new copy of Bouncer for four ninety nine. I believe it was. that's that even that's, that's too amazing. much for that game. Yeah, and like that game, and they haven't tried to redo that game until Tekken Six, Ugh. and then Tekken Six, and that was also horrible. But I still can't understand why they can't make a, a game like that. And I guess they did do a pretty good job with uh, Jet Li's. Uh, uh, Whatever that game was called, I just remember the Jet Li game. Uh, God Hand. Oh, okay. No, Rise of Honor, I think it was called. And uh, then it was okay because then it was, uh, you know, as they're all going to fight. But I would like to have a game like Final Fantasy or something like that where you can actually go in and and get in like a a fight, like you know. You should play right. uh, Air Guys. That's exactly what it is. It's a fighting game with Final Fantasy characters. Air Guys. Yeah. E R G E G H E I Z. All right. Look that one up. Yeah, yeah I know they I made that. I would never have guessed. That's how you spell it. But yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty bad. So, yeah. anybody so. play anything else? Retro? No, I played. Uh, I got Far Cry Three, and I was playing that. Oof. Well, when I was in Canada, I sat down with Kev the first night I was there, and we played through the entirety of Super Mario Brothers 3 in one... No, I shouldn't say one sitting, but we broke it up. That's amazing. Yeah. It was... Oh, I take that back. I did play some Mario Brothers. Original? Original Mario Brothers. We're going to have to do a a Mario show. We should. Maybe when we get our still-in-progress special guest... We should get a few in-progress special guests. Okay. Um, oh, the other thing, too, and, and Jess, I, I have to give you a formal thank you for the amazing Mega Man hat. Um, <laughs> I really wish I would have had that for the, the live show, but I did the next best thing and, and wore the one that my grandma made me. Um, I like the one grandma. your grandma made you. Oh, yeah. It's definitely come. You could tell it was made by somebody who had no idea who Mega Man was, nor cared. <laughs> but it still looked really cool. Um, but no, Jess made me. Uh, did did you knit it? I crocheted. Crocheted. It. What's the difference? Um, knitting is hooks. when you have two needles. What's cro- and then a crochet? Yeah, you have a hook. A needle and a hook. Mm-hmm. Just a hook. I used, you're I used a to crochet. If you're crocheting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to. And uh, she was very nice. She sent me a Christmas card with a Smurf. A crocheted Smurf 
head. <laughs> she sent that to me, the and I about died. Creepiest looking Smurf head. It was. It was so creepy. I, I enjoyed. I, you know, it was. It was the, the thought that counted and stuff. But uh, now that you say that, I feel bad. I don't. I feel as bad now about saying it was not. Oh, it was. It, that's you could use that thing. Smurf. You could use that thing as a coaster. That's what you I thought she made it, it for. Scare off people too. I thought it was like an <laughs> ornament or a coaster. How long did that thing Whatever take you to you make? Want. The Smurf. Yeah. Like twenty minutes. Twenty. Minutes how long did the How long did the hat take? I would say like four Dang. hours. If you, I was watching TV like for two nights. If you if you ever find yourself with four hours of extra time and you wanted to make another one in different Mega Man hat colors, I would pay you for it. I'll start up my own Mega Man hat business. Yes. There you go. Mega and Man I won't Tukes. give one to the douche in Canada yeah. who's mean to you. Yeah. Don't give him to him. He sucks. Kev was trying to make sure that I left my, my other Mega Man hat in Canada because he really wanted one. That's funny. So I made a Batman hat the other day too. What for who? Nice. Um, Andrew was part of a uh, Reddit Secret Santa, mm-hmm. and his Secret Santa on... really liked Batman. Huh. You posted on Facebook, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Did you Batman. for this Mega Man one? Did you go off of a template or did you just make it? I just made it. Well, I had a template for like a a toque with ear flaps. And then I just kind of made it look more Mega Man-y. Nice. I like it. Yeah. That was a great present to come nice. home to in the middle of the desert. <laughs> but when I got back... It'll to be, keep you toasty warm. To be fair, the day I got back, it was the exact same temperature in Phoenix as it was in Edmonton. Yeah, in Toronto, <laughs> it was so warm. Yeah, it sucked. All right, you guys want to do some emails? Toast. Emails. Okay. Uh, we need to come up with a good slogan for emails, like, you know, uh, the email bag, you know, something like that. Okay. Uh, email bag. This whole this whole thing is still just a work <laughs> in progress. What is this, episode you... seven? Six? Seven. Seven, I believe. Okay. If you want to write in factory sealed at manatank.com, I had to take a second to think about what it was. I totally have blue cl- blues clues stuck in my head now, though. Like, don't they say like oh, go into the mail bag or something? We go. We got mail. I think we should do that since we're doing a retro. We should do. We got mail. Oh, from the AOL. From, from, man, AOL. from the AOL thing. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that and see if we can use it without getting sued. Sounds good. Well, we're saying we, not you, got mail. Oh, so. I was just going to straight up steal yeah. the sound clip from AOL. Well, there you go. All right. Do they even exist? I think they do. Some... You know how many emails I get? Let's say at AOL.com. I'm like, geez. Those wow. suckers are still paying. No, I don't think they're a provider anymore, though. But... All right. I, th- I kind of screened these. We don't have a lot. We have one guy who is just telling us, Nathan Hood. To, uh, we asked people where they found our podcast, and he said that he just found it through iTunes. Um, And then he just proceeded to yell at me about how I thought that Mega Man X was cooler than Zero. And he told me I liked little boys. And that was about it. Oh, that's not a very nice email. Yeah. Oh, and he said he's singing Mass Effect praises, so I'm not going to continue that. Well, this is a retro gaming show, not a Mass Effect. Yeah. Okay. So that was the gist of his email. But he he shared with us how he found us. Nice. Uh, Topher White writes in, Hey, Factory Sealed, it's Topher again. 
Uh, first, oh, I remember Topher. Yeah, he. I think he wrote in last week or the week before. Yeah. It shouldn't say. I believe week, Topher but. was the one that had the. Was that the one with the bad spelling? And he was like, "I'm sorry, I don't want to." No, type. that was Evan Boudreau. Yeah, oh, Evan Boudreau, okay. who wrote us the same email four times, all edited differently. Okay. All right. He says, <laughs> first off, I'm loving the show and was happy to hear my question get answered. Now I have another game request. It was the very first game I owned and beat: Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for the Game Boy Advance. I've noticed that you guys haven't covered a lot of portable games, so I wanted to throw in your way. I know this game isn't amazing, but it's not horrendous like most movie games. At least that's how I remember it. Please, if the game is terrible, tear it to shreds so I know it's just my nostalgia talking when my brain says this game's okay. Thanks. No, because most movie-based games are fantastic on portable handheld systems, much like the Game Boy Advance. Whereas once they got bumped up to the DS and they had to actually put stuff in it, they were not as cool. That's really strange yeah. that the movie adaptations of games on the portable front were awesome. Because if you play Monster House on the Game Boy Advance, you are basically playing a game of Zelda. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. I just love Harry Potter, though. Okay, let's put that down. Let's play some Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets, Game Boy Advance. I'll be so excited. I'm not a, I'm not a big big Harry Potter fan, though. Shut your mouth. All right, hold on. I gotta write this down before I forget. Okay, Harry Potter, Chamber of Secrets. I think we should start covering some more portable games. Maybe we should choose a portable game for ourselves next time. Start thinking. I'll be holder. I'll play Pokemon again. I've, I I have yet to play a single Pokemon game ever. What? Yeah. Neither have I. I've never. How played are we either. friends? Because. Because. I live in America, and you want to be American. False. False. Which Pokemon should we play? Yellow. Yellow? Is that a Game Boy? You start with Pikachu. I don't have any access to those, so... Okay. Well, we'll get you access. We'll get you a system. We'll warp you back to 1988. Nice. And you'll play... Give you a rat tail. Yep. Okay. We have another one from... Oh, God. I probably should have read this. Uh (laughs) I'm going to skim it as I'm reading it. Uh, Is it long or is it filthy? That always works well. (laughs) it's long but i feel like there's a there's a lot of meat to this email so let's just let's just get to it i think you need to start sending these to us so we can read them as well you want me to that'd be fair yeah here here that way we can you should send it out the day before we're gonna do it that way we can catch up ourselves in emails here i'm gonna send it to you right now there you go you got it now you can read through this with me and okay Jesus. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name because he's from Germany, but I'm going to try. His name is Chris. Chris Christian <laughs> Tverdak, T-V-R-D-A-K. If I horribly butchered it, I'm sorry. He says, hi, FSP crew. My name is Chris, and I'm listening in on your podcast from Germany. So at least we're getting overseas. Um, he considers himself a retro gamer, got his first console back in 87 for his eighth birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, never forget the feeling, hooked it up. Yeah, we've all talked about that. He said he skipped the NES, or the Super Nintendo, uh, got a PS1, got back into retro collecting about six years ago. He says he now has two kids, a four-and-a-half-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl, and they're the same. They're the reason that he's writing today. So here's his question. What do you think would be the early stage for my kids to start playing games on a game console? And should I get them a current-generation console due to Connect, Move, Wii motion sensors and gaming, or should I start them off with a retro console, which I would prefer? But as you all know, the games are pretty tough, and the frustration level might rise quickly, and the graphics might scare them off. Think of Deadly Towers or Dragonlance on the NES. 
Uh, reasons for wanting them to play game consoles because it taught me some very basic but important things. In the long run, have patience, never give up, and you can finish anything if you try hard enough. Great high on, eye hand coordination, so on and so forth. So he really wants to hear our thoughts. Keep up the great work. Share your thoughts on the Neo Geo, and try to stay on schedule for once. Okay, and I'm going to ask yeah. Eric Peterson not to interrupt Jessica during during her uh, impact. Oh, on oh this. I missed that sentence. Oh, you missed it, sir. <laughs> you need to you need to stay quiet while Jessica talks. Hey, Aaron. That's right. Pong. Listen up. Pong. Yeah, pong. Pong. His kids probably play pong. Okay, first. let's let's deconstruct this app. here. He says, "What do you think would be the earliest age for his kids to start playing on a game console?" Um, I, I think they're old enough. He says, four and a half year old boy and a three year old girl." Um, it's kind of interesting because, uh, believe it or not, I keep up with some various medical journals, and occasionally they have articles come through about the effects of gaming on children and what's the proper age like this exact question what's the proper age to introduce your kids to games and a few years back i'd say probably three four years ago uh there's an article that came up that that addressed this exact question and this the the findings very loosely based said something to the effect of kids should not be exposed to video games on any level until a minimum age of six years old six to eight, somewhere in that age gap. And when they are, it should be on a very, very structured, very controlled, very parent-involved environment. And it should not be... What was the reason until six? Because kids are still... And it gets into that in in a second. Uh, I just want to lay out the age gap for a second. Uh, A lot of that... from, From that, from like age eight up until about... 10, 12 years old, it needs to be very controlled, parent-involved. Parents need to be playing the games with the kids, talking to them about the games. This is what it is. And most importantly, they need to be age-appropriate games because at that age, kids are very addictive. They have a very addictive personality. And they said that a kid should not be allowed to um, fully immerse themselves into a full gaming world like a Final Fantasy type game or an MMO like World of Warcraft until a minimum age of f- sometime between 14 and 16. And even then, that should be very structured and controlled because kids have a very, very addictive personality and they they struggle to tell the difference between fiction and reality. And that's where it comes in with the parents sitting down and actually playing the games with the kids and talking to them about what's happening, what type of game they're playing, especially the age-appropriate ones. They said in no circumstances should kids, really young kids, uh, be allowed to play really violent games like your Resident Evils and your Call of Duties and stuff like that because they don't understand exactly what is happening. Yeah, they understand how to play the game, but they don't understand what is actually going on on screen and what its real world counterpart is. And so often parents will just like, well, here's, here's your game, go have fun and play. And they're left to interpret it themselves when they don't have the cognitive capacity to interpret it themselves. I agree with that in a sense, but I think that um, in terms of the younger ages, I think it would be beneficial as soon as they have the motor skills to actually hold a controller and yeah. the cognitive skills to understand that they're controlling the game. But I do absolutely think that it's the parent's responsibility and it has nothing to do. Because if you think about the cartoons, like growing up on like um, Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. 
they had a, quite a bit of violence in Bugs oh, Bunny, absolutely. but you always had your parents to explain that to you. So I think it's more of a parent problem than a gaming issue. Well, and I think that's what a huge issue with a lot of uh, of things in society is. You know, I, I, I work in schools. I see that every day. The, the complete lack of parent involvement is, I would say, upwards of 90 percent the, the, the cause of child behavior issues is lack of parent involvement. And especially with, with video games, it's, you know, Aaron, you can probably attest to this. Uh, when I was working at GameStop, I would see parents come in with their five, six-year-old kids and let them pick out a game. And it's like Grand Theft Auto. And they'd be like, you do realize this is a mature rated game with, with murder and, and rape and prostitutes and drugs. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. All right. That's fine. Whatever. He won't understand it anyway. Yeah. But it glorifies it too in those games. And that's mm-hmm. what's scary is that the parents aren't well, and I think understanding that. Well, here's the if you could give me a minute to yeah, go ahead. To take on, go on ahead. the video games and, and the age appropriateness. Uh, our age, anybody from pretty much I think the age of twenty eight to older, okay, um, grew up in a in a fashion where video games we, we saw the the growth of the video game industry. Mm-hmm. It went from Pong <laughs> Pac Man <laughs> to the Donkey Kong to Nintendo Mario Brothers and, and games like that where the graphics were bad. There wasn't a lot of reading and there was some reading but not as you know much reading as in some of the games today. Um into the, the higher graphics, the more combat orientated games where then now the people that are the ages of twenty seven to forty are wanting those more mature violent games. Yeah. So all these game companies are our age or older making the games that they want to play that they weren't able to play growing up. It, that makes sense? Yeah, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? So then, you know, when my kid was young, she, she's 14 now, um, you know, I started her off on like the Leapster and, you know, the smaller the handhelds like the Game Boy and the DS because I thought those games were more uh, easier to learn how to play for one and they weren't as, you know, um, visually... Um, stimulating and uh also it is easy to learn how to play to do there's not a lot of actions you have to do and the games are i guess older style you know what i mean they're like a generation yeah. back on the handhelds mm-hmm. and leapster leapfrogs and all those types of things easy to use um because i started playing games gosh i must have been about three or four years old when I started playing, but back then, you know, it was the Commodore 64, you know. Yeah, the games weren't as... And, you know, they were And it was it taught me hand-eye coordination. You know, that's what they were all about. Well, and I think what, um, what the, the difference between our generation of, of gamers growing up and the current generation of gamers growing up is that the kids growing up now are growing up in a technology-based world where everything right. revolves around smartphones and interactivity and the internet and... And everything being connected, whereas for us, like, this is just a fledgling field. And one of the main differences I can see, and to kind of address his next question is, he said, he, should he get them a current generation console or start with a retro console? I can see the benefits to both because the current consoles are going to teach them skills and and things that they're going to use throughout the rest of their lives that are are current now. Whereas, like you were saying before, with the retro consoles, those games had a lot of of hand-eye coordination. But mainly, what really got me playing games, and and my parents were okay with it, was 
I played games like your Final Fantasies and your Dragon Quest that had a ton of reading in it because as a kid, I really struggled with reading, but my parents saw that I played these games that had a ton of reading and I was comprehending what was going on. But right, now which with is huge. Yeah, with current consoles and voiceovers and no subtitles and the ability to skip through that stuff, it's more just instant gratification for the, the these these gamers and so for my suggestion for him would be find a balance of both if you want to introduce them to the new stuff keep it with the age appropriate stuff hands right. out i will like never the new stuff yeah it, because... honestly oh sorry jessica go ahead okay <laughs> uh well we started talking at the same time so then i heard you i stopped um but if you want to go to a, a new system at old uh, i would definitely go with the wii u because it's going to give you the both the, the high definition graphics of today, and it's going to give you the access to that old school catalog yes. that you grew up with, yep. and the stuff even that you missed that your kids can get in there to start playing, and you can play right along with them, um, enjoying your old things and tell them what they need to do and things like that, and then also get that ability to do like the you know the motion controls and the the different things. And uh, I, so in my opinion, I would probably maybe go with the Wii U if you want to get yeah. both. Both things in one, the retro and the new. I think the... the yeah, I was going to oh, say, go we're just, like, jumping in. But um, <laughs> I like the fact that the Wii U is more family-friendly, and that's something that I think, looking at the positives of playing games as a family, like, we used to have Dr. Mario... Mario! ...tournaments all the time. <laughs> all the time at home. And it was fun because it taught you how to, like, share games and just even taking turns and um, communicating with each other, those sort of skills they can develop really quickly if they're using games as a family or having to share. And I think the Wii U would give them an opportunity to do that. Well, and I think anybody can build a case that that any game is going to help you with some sort of skill. But what it ultimately comes down to is pick games that are age-appropriate for your kids. They're, the ESRB exists for a reason, um, kids should not be exposed to this type of stuff that goes on in the God of War games and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, they're not mentally prepared to handle that. Even if they don't understand what it is, they're still being exposed to it, and it still is impacting them in some fashion. Mm -hmm. But my suggestion to to Chris is get involved with your kids playing games. Be there, right. be a part of it, but also yeah. monitor it and and heavily restrict it. Uh, my parents never really had an issue with that because I was one of those types of kids that I actually wanted to be outside, you know, skateboarding and, and playing, mm -hmm. playing with friends and being outside. And then I'd come home and play games for a couple hours at night. But being in the classroom teaching and just listening to what kids talk about what they do when they go home, it's I would I would venture probably a good 30 to 40 percent of the boys in the in the classes talk about they just go home and they'll just play Call of Duty or they'll they'll play video games until they go to bed. That's all they'll do and right. it's very apparent because their parents come into school and they say well i've tried taking his xbox away and that doesn't work and this and that and the other thing it's like well because when you when you take away something that people are addicted to they're going to react in a negative way right you know my parents never had to take it away and use it as a punishment because i never abused it i mean i played a lot of yeah. video games but when they said mm -hmm. go outside as i was probably already outside in 10 blocks away right yeah, and, uh, you know, it's not a babysitter, and I think a lot of parents use it as a babysitter yep. nowadays, um, whereas me, it was like, that was, 
I guess I was kind of a babysitter. My mom knew that I was going to be what I was doing that when I was when I was there. Yeah. But it wasn't like she would just tell me to go play my video games, which is what's maybe happening now in some some places. Well, the biggest um, mistake is a lot of parents are putting these TVs and video game systems in their kids' rooms. Right, and I was the cool kid because I finally got a TV in my room to play my games, which allowed my mom to watch TV. Yeah. But again, that was back in the NES and, and, and SNES days. Yeah. You know, which is not as big of a, a concept as now where you have online access and things like that. Um, yeah, I don't think kids, especially kids this young, need to be worrying about the online interactivity on consoles and stuff like that. So, right. And then and then another I, thing, too, with that age group that you brought up, like the staying away from games that are certain things, is that um, the development in, the, in children, you know, is always going off. Like the 3DS, for example, you shouldn't be under the age of 7 because your eyes are still developing. Because of the way they shoot out images to your eyes, it can totally mess up your... Yep your site and i don't know if you've noticed well this is my personal opinion of what i've noticed and just in general of growing up is the more active the kids are like they're involved in sports they're involved in you know going outside and hiking camping and all types of things they they're not they don't wear glasses yeah right that's true and the kids that grow up in front of the pc in front of the tv i was one of those kids that got glasses pretty young but i was also unable to do anything because i was in a body cast for six months and uh as a young age and so all i had was that minimum point of view and so my eyes weren't able to develop as well as some maybe some other people's that were able to go outside more and and, and play and get i don't know i guess there's a, another study where people are outside they get healthier just being outside and eating healthy foods and things like that huh. vitamin d yeah so you know i think that has a big impact and so nowadays you know everybody's on the PC at age one, they're running around with the mouse playing these Nickelodeon games, which are very good and they're very, you know, they're very uh, educational. But at the same time, you know, they're sitting at two, three years old on a, on a PC for hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. And that's another you thing, know. too, though, is the educational piece. And you don't have to just look at educational games, but trying to find educational pieces within um, any games that you're playing, like whether it's educating on how do you communicate properly and oh try to read those words that are being read to you or um read along or what do you think that person's feeling all of those pieces can be involved if you're facilitating your child like while your child's playing the games any other thoughts i think we answered his his email quite thoroughly I like those emails. That's a that's a good email. Yeah. Nice and thought provoking. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get our thoughts on the Neo Geo, considering that system is number one. It's it. Can I just say that it was awful? That <laughs> concept, though, at the time was phenomenal, and I really wanted one because I could go. I lived in a, uh, in a not a big town, but not a small town, and we would always go to the lake of my grandmother's cabin, mm-hmm. and we'd go through these dinky towns where uh, they would have, like, the, the Neo Geo arcade consoles where you put your quarters in, and the Neo Geo would let you bring your memory card. Yeah. <laughs> and you continue mm-hmm. to play the games. I thought that was the coolest thing until the Neo Geo console actually came out and realized there were definitely no games, and there were, like, thousands of dollars, apparently. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> They're very expensive. All right, we've got one more question. Uh, By the way, the Neo Geo is coming out again. The Neo Geo Gold, you can get it at GameStop for 199 bucks. Neo Geo Gold? Yeah, it's a, re- it's a new release on it. Comes with all the uh, 
Neo Geo games included with it as well. Oh, so it's 199. That that's it. Mm-hmm. That thing actually looks sure. pretty nice. Why is it called the Neo Geo Gold if it's black? Uh, I guess we have a gold version of it. It's called the Neo Geo Gold. How big is it? Is it like the Game Boy Micro? No, it, it's a. Uh... It's an actual system for you to... Well, there's two of them. There's a handheld one that's coming out, and then there's actually one for the TV. Huh. And like it comes with a console. cartridge that has all the games on it? I believe it has all the games included with it, yes. Wow. Well, that's pretty yeah. cool. Speaking of the Game Boy Micro, do you do you ever see any of those roll through your store? Not anymore. We stopped, GameStop stopped buying back Game Boy Advance stuff about two years ago. Oh, I'd love to get my hands on a Game Boy Micro. Especially when they had those limited edition ones. Mm-hmm. That look like the old uh, NES control. No, not NES right. controls. They were the gold ones. Yeah. Um, I just looked at our last question and realized it's one that we have answered plenty of times before. Well, let's hear it. I want to hear what everybody asks when they keep asking the same question. Uh, Ryan Yedinick asks. He wrote in on Twitter, so I guess I guess you can tweet me questions, but I can't promise I'll remember them. He just happened to send this one now. Uh, which Final Fantasy? Do you think had the best combat? Kill Eric if he says eight. Ryan thinks thirteen had the best. So I hope you all have your stabbing knives out because I am going to say eight. You know what? Uh, Ryan was his name, correct? Yeah. Ryan, I will take your point on the thirteen because I was a huge fan of the Final Fantasy thirteen combat system. I liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I don't think it was the best, but I will definitely give kudos that it was one of my more favorite as I got older because I got tired. I didn't have the time to grind anymore, yeah. so I really liked it. I thought it was a, an improvement on the Final Fantasy X battle system, but still, hands down, I think eight's the best. I prefer... I, I, I really like one. Just straight-up menu-based? Straight-up menu-based. Well, isn't, that, isn't that how it is? Like, one through... What pretty much six yeah. until it got to like seven, they changed it up a little bit where they got the materia, it was still materia and things like that, and things. But I, I really like that. And then, um, I like Tin's combat system, was good, and I think that was all the same. But I, I do Tan. like Tan, Tan, Final Fantasy yeah. Tan. So, no, but yeah, okay. One, I'm kind of excited questions. for the next show now, though, because it'll just be uh, me and Aaron since everyone's gonna kill you. Yeah, that's right, you're gonna be dead. Who's gonna? Who's going to produce this thing? Wait, you guys well, are supposed to kill me. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I, it's not a kill you. a lot of effort. It's not a kill yourself if you say eight. Oh. Well, you can still do that if you want. Yeah, it'd make things a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a plane trip and too much effort and jail time. Right. So, one final thought. I scored myself, I guess from, from research, a pretty rare game yesterday off of Craigslist. It's a uh, it's it's a DS game, and I've been I've been looking on the internet trying to find it at just any location, and I haven't found it at any GameStop in the entire country. No Best Buys carry it. Um, old, not old. It's a few years old from Atlas called Radiant Historia, and uh, Ryan was actually the guy that that put me onto it. He sent me a message like, "Dude, you got to play this. this game's going to change your life," and I kind of called his bluff on it, and it's pretty good you're doing a lot of backtracking lately yeah well isn't that the nature of things though i mean it's frustrating when you come across somebody who will stand their ground even after they've been proven wrong like poutine yeah yeah i've had that st- i've had that given my store i've never seen it 
it's uh it's it's really rare from what i gather you can find it on amazon for about 75 to 100 dollars this guy had it on craigslist for 50 i shot him an email or shot him a text message saying would you take 30 he's like how about 35 so you're like sold yeah. yeah but then i had to drive to the other side of town you know so i i uh, made up muffin. that difference right. in gas so if you want to write us in any emails game suggestions factory sealed at manatank.com i think that's gonna do it for us Awesome. Well, it's good to be back. It's been a long time. Hopefully, our fans uh, know we still exist. Yeah, we're. Gonna... I know there was somebody that was pretty upset on the Twitter. You know, he's pretty bored. His productivity has dropped since we uh, have not been able to air. Yeah. So. Wow, who's crackling? That's got to be the blue blue lady over there. I wow. think so. That's huh? definitely you. Huh. Yeah. All right. You... Yeah, it came up. So good luck Ooh. taking that off. <laughs> Yay! That's okay. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks, guys. You can. Uh, um, where can we follow Pong. you? Where can we follow you on the Twitters? I'm at Quilted Tunic. Jess, where can we find you? At Jess M. Clarkson. Still too confusing. You can follow me at Honest Pizza. That is going to do it for the show. Uh, next week, well, I shouldn't say next week. Next show, Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets, Game Boy Advance, and Pokemon Yellow. I'm also going to do Parasite Eve 2. If I, I think if I own it, I okay. will, I'll play that to give the update on the battle system. Sweet. Yeah, this will be the very first Pokemon game I ever played. So I'm breaking new ground here recently because when I was in Canada, I had my very first McDonald's in over five years. That kid. Yeah, Jeez. because Oliver showed up with breakfast. And he's like, hey, I got breakfast. And I saw it was McDonald's. I'm like, I don't want to be a dick. So I ate it. <laughs> That must be a first for you. Ooh. Yeah. Zing. All right. Well, until All next right. time, we should be back in a couple weeks. See you then. Bye.